0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach, talking New York Mets with MLB.com's Mets beat reporter, Anthony Nacomo. Mets are going very, very well. Uh, they have an excellent record. There is a lot to like. Uh, but because it's Metland, uh, the topic seems to be something worrisome. So we are going to lead with something worrisome, which is... Matt Harvey, who is still not really getting to where I think people thought he would be by now. Um, Just broadly, first of all, when you watch Harvey, what do you see?
0: I see a guy who's built his career on on velocity and command and doesn't necessarily have either of them quite at the levels that we're used to seeing. Uh, The velocity has been creeping up early in the season. It was pretty much stuck there at 93, but he's been coming back up to 94, 95, He's even sprinkled a few 96s in. Um, but he's just not having that pinpoint command that we're used to seeing with it. Um, you got to realize that there's a lot of people in the game today that throw 94, 95, and the difference between uh, someone who struggles to hold on and an all-star, like Matt Harvey has been, is the ability to put it exactly in the strikes on where he wants to put it. And, and that's sort of been the hallmark of his career. It was something that came back really, really fast. After Tommy John surgery, which was interesting because most guys, it's the last thing to come after Tommy John surgery. Well, Matt Harvey never really had a problem with that, but now he does. He's struggling a little bit with that, and it's the difference between him being able to cruise through seven innings at the start, which we haven't seen from him this year, or labor through five innings, which we've seen a lot. And sort of adding on to all that trouble is the fact that the teams he's struggling against you know, his, his last four starts couldn't have been lined up any better. He's got the, uh, the Braves twice in there. He's played the Reds. So he's playing these teams that are expected to be at or near the bottom of the league, and he's just struggling against them. And, and when Matt Harvey's right, he doesn't struggle against anyone. So it, it's uh, something that Matt and pitching coach Dan Worthen have stressed. It's a mechanical issue. is a mechanical issue. Uh, but until they get it ironed out, there's going to continue to be some concern around the guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the the natural question is, are we talking about fatigue? I mean, it, it, fatigue doesn't generally seem to show up in command. Fatigue, sends, I mean, generally, you know, there, there are exceptions, but generally, fatigue seems to show up in velocity, and injury tends to show up in location. But it's sort of natural to ask, as, as deep as this guy went this year, went last year, uh, do you think? Does the club think? I mean, I. They're not dancing around it. The question's getting asked, do you think and does the club think this is something to do with the workload he, he handled last year?
0: I don't think anyone knows it's sort of the issue here. Um, but, yeah, you have to look at it because this was the worry. This was the whole thing back in September when it turned into this. Uh, he said, she said, shouting match. Uh, will Matt Harvey pitch in the playoffs? Will he go beyond that? 180 innings marked that he soared past. He wound up with 216. It wasn't about last year. No one doubted that Matt Harvey would be able to go in the playoffs and pitch well, uh, which he did despite going well over 200 innings. It was about this year, and it was about his future, and it was about going forward. Uh, So, yeah, now that we're in this year, it's only natural to ask did those 216 innings he pitched last year, a career high, something he had never approached before, first year back from Tommy John surgery having effectively pitched Zero innings the year before that is that all coming and, and essentially landing on his shoulders right now maybe it, it's really hard to say it's impossible to say actually uh, because we just don't know all we have to go on is how Matt Harvey feels how he says he feels how the ball's coming out of his hand velocity wise command wise and all of that and the early data from Matt Harvey in that regard is not great so. Yeah, it's a conclusion that I think uh, if he continues to struggle, you're going to see people draw more and more. Um, in a way, it's fair because you just have to look at the body of work and what we know, and that is those innings. And in a way, it's unfair because it's impossible really to say for sure that that's the one factor that's doing it. Um, the one, the other thing we do know is that it's not injury, like you said. It's, it is um, something else, and the most logical conclusion you could draw is that it was that workload. But is that the only thing? Is it? Is there a mechanical fix that he can make here and be back to closer to what he has been? Uh, is there something else Matt Harvey can do to approach that? We'll find out in the next, I'd say, three, four weeks. Because if we're looking up towards the end of May, getting into June, he still hasn't fixed this. Then I think at that point you have to say, okay, there's something else going on there, and, and that's something else is probably his workload.
1: So... What do they do? I mean, there's, I think it's a completely defensible answer. I'm not arguing they have to do something. I think let him keep pitching and work in his bullpens and just figure this guy's really good is a, is a completely defensible answer. But is that what they do, or do they start looking to buy him, you know, an extra couple of days between a start maybe once and get him an extra bullpen, some of that kind of thing? Or do they just say, this guy's really good, our coaching staff knows what it's doing, keep going forward?
0: Yeah, well, they have backed off. Matt Harvey and everyone early this season to a certain extent. Not a huge extent, but, uh, you know, with the early season schedule the Mets had, that was very disjointed. Uh, They had plenty of time to put extra days in for guys. I believe Matt Harvey had a full week between his first start and his second start, and that wasn't unique to him. Um, Jacob DeGrom with his injury issue and family issue had well more than a week. DeGrom had a week and so on and so forth. I think for right now, the Mets will kind of continue along that. Uh, They haven't been pushing pushing their guys in games. Uh, Very few of their starters have thrown even more than 100 pitches in any given start. So the Mets have been pretty careful and pretty prudent with these guys coming off last year's workloads. And that dates back even to the offseason when a lot of these guys started throwing a little late. Uh, That was by design, spring training. We talked about a lot about how the Mets backed off these guys early in spring training and kind of had them a week behind where they would normally be throughout the spring. So the Mets have done these little things along the way uh, to guard against it, but if fatigue is going to come and strike a guy like Matt Harvey, there's not a lot you can do to stop it. So I think what the Mets are going to do is sort of take the next month, like I said, evaluate this thing a little further, find out once and for all if it is fatigue or if it's just something much more minor, something more mechanical that Matt Harvey can fix and be back to his old self. And if it's mechanical, great. If it's not, if it's something that's going on that's going to affect him fatigue-wise uh, going forward into the summer, then maybe, yeah, you have to think about skipping him a start and, and, put, and you know, holding him back a little bit and for the ultimate goal of having him, uh, as last year, you know, guns blazing, ready to go in September and October. That's what the Mets want from Matt Harvey. That's, I'm sure, what Matt Harvey wants. And uh, once the Mets get a better handle on what exactly this is that's afflicting him, they can have a better idea of what plan they can take, uh, what course of actions they can take to go about getting there.
1: The uh, the other topic that I think is is pretty intriguing with this club right now is the catcher situation. Um They are without Travis Darnot. You wrote uh, very recently they're probably going to be without him a little longer than maybe they had hoped with this most recent injury. Um, And I believe you also touched on the fact that Kevin Ploiecki has not yet taken this opportunity and run with it. So how do they, first, as they deal without Darnot, how do they, going forward, apportion that time behind the plate?
0: Well, and that's exactly the thing for Kevin Ploiecki is the time is his. Uh, there's no one else in the organization that's going to push him on that. Uh, You know, Rene Rivera started earlier this week and had a nice game with a home run, uh, but he's not that guy. He's a journeyman veteran and everyone knows it. And he's not going to start all that much at catcher. You know, in the minors you have Johnny Monell, who the Mets have seen a little bit over the past couple of years, but he's sort of in the same boat as Rene Rivera. He's not that guy who has a bright future, who's going to come up and push Kevin Powecki. So, for better or for worse, this is Kevin Pulawski's job until Travis Darno comes back. And, and, you know, not to get all talk radio alarmist on you, but the the greatest predictor of future injury is is past injury. And Travis Darno has had a lot of them, and he's been slow to rehab from a lot of them. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Darno out for a significant period of time here with a a strained right rotator cuff. That's not necessarily a minor injury, depending on how bad the strain is. So Kevin Pulecki's going to get some run here. He's already gotten some run, and you're right. He hasn't really distinguished himself. He had the same thing last year. Uh, He got about two months where he was more or less the everyday regular catcher, and he didn't necessarily distinguish himself. Um, But you have to think now if you're him and if you're the Mets. This is sort of a make-or-break evaluation time for Plovecia. This is a guy who was pretty well-regarded uh, coming up through the minors. Always had a bat that could hit, uh, hit for a little bit of power, definitely hit for average. Had great, great, great strike zone discipline. And defensively, given the limitations that Darneau has showed throughout his young career, was uh, has been considered now a little bit of a step up. Uh, doesn't have quite the arm that Travis Darnot does, but has a quicker release, has better footwork uh, behind the plate, has great, great uh, pitch framing abilities. So if he can display all of that stuff and hit even a little bit, I think the Mets uh, are going to get in a situation where you, when Travis Darnot does come back, whether that's in May, June, July, whenever, uh, you know, Kevin Ploiecki could put himself in a situation where he's still getting regular playing time. This is more of a timeshare than anything else. It's a huge, huge opportunity for him, but... This is the time when he has to take advantage of it right now, when there's no one pushing him, when he's playing every day. Uh, he has to show that he's a big league catcher. So far he hasn't. Doesn't mean it's not in there, but he has to do it now.
1: And, and one last thing, and, and because you're a pro you set this up, going forward, Darno, clearly, has, as I think Will Carroll said, health is a skill, uh, Darno has not demonstrated that skill, and catcher is not really the place where you're likely to learn it. Um, not so much in the short term, though you're sort of indicating maybe even in the short to medium term, but in the longer term, uh, at, at what point does the talk about Darno moving somewhere else uh, become a real consideration for the Mets?
0: Yeah, you're probably looking a little longer term, uh, certainly not this year. And the problem, there's two problems with that. One is that where are you going to put him? Um, You know, there's a couple things you could try. People have uh, mentioned Darno at first base. People have mentioned him in left field. People have mentioned him even somewhere else in the infield, like a third base. Uh, But you have guys at all those positions. You have guys entrenched at all those positions. So there's not a lot of room there. And the other thing is you look at what Travis Darno has done statistically with the bat, the Mets have a lot of incentive to keep him at catcher because his offensive profile is that of a really, really good offensive catcher. But all of a sudden, if you put him, say, at first base, he's a below average first baseman offensively. So uh, I think the Mets don't want to do that. I think in a perfect world, uh, they would have him starting every day a catcher and have him hitting and have him healthy. Uh, Like you said, yeah, health can be a skill. And I think early in Darno's career, people were looking at his health history and saying, well, there's a bunch of broken bones in there. There was a... uh, knee ligament injury that he got torn up at a play at second base and sort of these freak isolated instances but they kept happening and they kept happening and they kept happening and now he's been starting to get some more I don't want to say traditional injuries uh, but not things that you can just chalk up to uh, a once in a lifetime type of thing. He's got a shoulder strain. He had an elbow strain last year. Uh, I, I believe he's had both elbows strained at one point in his career. So Yeah, I think on the one hand, you do have to consider it. You probably have to start exposing him more and more to other positions in spring training next year. But as far as a committed move to one of those positions, I just don't see it for him, at least in the one, two-year short term.
1: All right. Well, Anthony DeComo, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening.